Section 3 of In Ghostly Japan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. David Moore. In Ghostly Japan by Lafcadio Hearn. Section 3 Incense. I see, rising out of darkness, a lotus in a vase. Most of the vase is invisible, but I know that it is of bronze, and that its glimpsing handles are bodies of dragons. Only the lotus is fully illuminated. Three pure white flowers, and five great leaves of gold and green. Gold above, green on the upcurling undersurface. An artificial lotus. It is bathed by a slanting stream of sunshine. The darkness beneath and beyond is the dusk of a temple chamber. I do not see the opening through which the radiance pours, but I am aware that it is a small window shaped in the outline form of a temple bell. The reason that I see the lotus, one memory of my first visit to a Buddhist sanctuary, is that there has come to me an odor of incense. Often when I smell incense, this vision defines, and usually thereafter, other sensations of my first day in Japan revive in swift succession with almost painful acuteness. It is almost ubiquitous, this perfume of incense. It makes one element of the faint but complex and never-to-be-forgotten odor of the Far East. It haunts the dwelling house not less than the temple, the home of the peasant not less than the yashiki of the prince. Shinto shrines, indeed, are free from it, incense being an abomination to the elder gods. But wherever Buddhism lives, there is incense. In every house containing a Buddhist shrine or Buddhist tablets, incense is burned at certain times, and in even the rudest country solitudes you will find incense smoldering before wayward images, little stone figures of Fudo, Jizo, or Kwanon. Many experiences of travel strange impressions of sound as well as of sight, remain associated in my own memory with that fragrance, vast silent shadowed avenues leading to weird old shrines, mossed flights of worn steps ascending to temples that molder above the clouds, joyous tumult of festival nights, sheeted funeral trains gliding by in glimmer of lanterns, murmur of household prayer in fishermen's huts on far wild coasts, and visions of desolate little graves marked only by threads of blue smoke ascending, graves of pet animals or birds remembered by simple hearts in the hour of prayer to Amida, the lord of immeasurable light. But the odor of which I speak is that of cheap incense only, the incense in general use. There are many other kinds of incense, and the range of quality is amazing. A bundle of common incense rods, they are about as thick as an ordinary pencil lead and somewhat longer, can be bought for a few sen, while a bundle of better quality, presenting to inexperienced eyes only some difference in color, may cost several yen and be cheap at the price. Still costlier sorts of incense, veritable luxuries, take the form of lozenges, wafers, pastilles, and a small envelope of such material might be worth four or five pounds sterling. But the commercial and industrial questions relating to Japanese incense represent the least interesting part of a remarkably curious subject. 2. Curious indeed, but enormous by reason of infinity of tradition and detail, 
I am afraid even to think of the size of the volume that would be needed to cover it. Such a work would properly begin with some brief account of the earliest knowledge and use of aromatics in Japan. I would next treat of the records and legends of the first introduction of Buddhist incense from Korea. When King Shomyo of Kudara in 551 AD sent to the island empire a collection of sutras, an image of the Buddha, and one complete set of furniture for a temple. Then something would have to be said about those classifications of incense which were made during the 10th century, in the periods of Engi and of Tenryaku, and about the report of the ancient state councillor, Kimitaka Sangi, who visited China in the latter part of the 13th century and transmitted to the Emperor Yomei the wisdom of the Chinese concerning incense. Then mention should be made of the ancient incenses still preserved in various Japanese temples, and of the famous fragments of Ranjatai, publicly exhibited at Nara in the tenth year of Meiji, which furnished supplies to the three great captains Nobunaga, Hideyoshi, and Ieyasu. After this should follow an outline of the history of mixed incenses made in Japan, with notes on the classifications devised by the luxurious Takauji, and on the nomenclature established later by Ashikaga Yoshimasa, who collected 130 varieties of incense and invented for the more precious of them names recognized even to this day, such as Blossom Showering, Smoke of Fuji, and Flower of the Pure Law. Examples ought to be given, likewise, of traditions attaching to historical incenses preserved in several princely families, together with specimens of those hereditary recipes for incense-making which have been transmitted from generation to generation through hundreds of years, and are still called after their august inventors as the method of Hina Dainagon, the method of Sentoin, etc. Recipes also should be given of those strange incenses made to imitate the perfume of the lotus, the smell of the summer breeze, and the odor of the autumn wind. Some legends of the great period of incense luxury should be cited, such as the story of Sue Awari no Kami, who built for himself a palace of incense woods and set fire to it on the night of his revolt, when the smoke of its burning perfumed the land to a distance of twelve miles. Of course, the mere compilation of materials for a history of mixed incenses would entail the study of a host of documents, treatises, and books, particularly of such strange works as the Kunshurui Sho, or Incense Collector's Classifying Manual, containing the teachings of the ten schools of the art of mixing incense, directions as to the best seasons for incense-making, and instructions about the different kinds of fire to be used for burning incense. One kind is called literary fire, and another military fire, together with rules for the pressing of the ashes of a censer into various artistic designs corresponding to season and occasion. A special chapter should certainly be given to the incense bags, or kusadama, hung up in houses to drive away goblins, and to the smaller incense bags formerly carried about the person as a protection against evil spirits. Then a very large part of the work would have to be devoted to the religious uses and legends of incense, a huge subject in itself. There would also have to be considered the curious history of the old incense assemblies, whose elaborate ceremonial could be explained only by help of numerous diagrams. 
One chapter at least would be required for the subject of the ancient importation of incense materials from India, China, Anam, Siam, Cambodia, Ceylon, Sumatra, Java, Borneo, and various islands of the Malay archipelago, places all named in rare books about incense. And a final chapter should treat of the romantic literature of incense, the poems, stories, and dramas in which incense rites are mentioned, and especially those love songs comparing the body to incense and passion to the eating flame. Even as burns the perfume lending thy robe its fragrance, smolders my life away, consumed by the pain of longing. The merest outline of the subject is terrifying. I shall attempt nothing more than a few notes about the religious, the luxurious, and the ghostly uses of incense. 3. The common incense everywhere burned by poor people before Buddhist icons is called ansoku-ko. This is very cheap. Great quantities of it are burned by pilgrims in the bronze censers set before the entrances of famous temples, and in front of roadside images you may often see bundles of it. These are for the use of pious wayfarers, who pause before every Buddhist image on their path to repeat a brief prayer and, when possible, to set a few rods smoldering at the feet of the statue. But in rich temples, and during great religious ceremonies, much more expensive incense is used. Altogether three classes of perfumes are employed in Buddhist rites. Ko, or incense proper, in many varieties, the word literally means only fragrant substance, Zuko, an odorous ointment, and Mako, a fragrant powder. Ko is burned, Zuko is rubbed upon the hands of the priest as an ointment of purification, and Mako is sprinkled about the sanctuary. This Mako is said to be identical with the sandalwood powder so frequently mentioned in Buddhist texts, but it is only the true incense which can be said to bear an important relation to the religious service. Incense declares Soshi Ryaku, footnote, short or epitomized history of priests, is the messenger of earnest desire. When the rich Sudatta wished to invite the Buddha to a repast, he made use of incense. He was wont to ascend to the roof of his house on the eve of the day of the entertainment, and to remain standing there all night, holding a censer of precious incense. And as often as he did this, the Buddha never failed to come on the following day at the exact time desired. This text plainly implies that incense, as a burnt offering, symbolizes the pious desires of the faithful. But it symbolizes other things also, and it has furnished many remarkable similes to Buddhist literature. Some of these, and not the least interesting, occur in prayers, of which the following, from the book called Hojisan, footnote, the praise of pious observances, is a striking example. Let my body remain pure like a censer. Let my thought be ever as a fire of wisdom, purely consuming the incense of Sila and of Dhyana. Footnote. By Sila is meant the observance of the rules of purity in act and thought. Dhyana, called by Japanese Buddhist Zenjo, is one of the higher forms of meditation. That so may I do homage to all the Buddhas in the ten directions of the past, the present, and the future. Sometimes in Buddhist sermons, the destruction of karma by virtuous effort is likened to the burning of incense by a pure flame. Sometimes again, the life of man is compared to the smoke of incense. 
In his hundred writings, Hyaku Tsu Kirikami, the Shinsu priest Myoden says, quoting from the Buddhist work Kujikajo, or Ninety Articles, In the burning of incense, we see that so long as any incense remains, so long does the burning continue, and the smoke mount skyward. Now the breath of this body of ours, this impermanent combination of earth, water, air, and fire, is like that smoke. And the changing of the incense into cold ashes when the flame expires is an emblem of the changing of our bodies into ashes when our funeral pyres have burnt themselves out. He also tells us about that incense paradise of which every believer ought to be reminded by the perfume of earthly incense. In the thirty-second vow for the attainment of the paradise of wondrous incense, he says, it is written, that paradise is formed by hundreds of thousands of different kinds of incense and of substances incalculably precious. The beauty of it incomparably exceeds anything in the heavens or in the sphere of man. The fragrance of it perfumes all the worlds of the ten directions of space, and all who perceive that odor practice Buddha deeds. In ancient times there were men of superior wisdom and virtue who, by reason of their vow, obtained perception of the odor. But we who are born with inferior wisdom and virtue in these later days cannot obtain such perception. Nevertheless, it will be well for us, when we smell the incense kindled before the image of Amida, to imagine that its odor is the wonderful fragrance of paradise, and to repeat the Nembutsu in gratitude for the mercy of the Buddha. 4. But the use of incense in Japan is not confined to religious rites and ceremonies. Indeed, the costlier kinds of incense are manufactured chiefly for social entertainments. Incense burning has been an amusement of the aristocracy ever since the 13th century. Probably you have heard of the Japanese tea ceremonies and their curious Buddhist history, and I suppose that every foreign collector of Japanese bric-a-brac knows something about the luxury to which these ceremonies at one period attained, a luxury well attested by the quality of the beautiful utensils formerly employed in them. But there were, and still are, incense ceremonies much more elaborate and costly than the tea ceremonies, and also much more interesting. Besides music, embroidery, poetical composition, and other branches of the old-fashioned female education, the young lady of pre-Meiji days was expected to acquire three especially polite accomplishments. The art of arranging flowers, ikebana, the art of ceremonial tea-making, chanoyu or chanoe, footnote, girls are still trained in the art of arranging flowers and in the etiquette of the dainty, though somewhat tedious, chanoyu. Buddhist priests have long enjoyed a reputation as teachers of the latter. When the pupil has reached a certain degree of proficiency, she is given a diploma or certificate. The tea used in these ceremonies is a powdered tea of remarkable fragrance, the best qualities of which fetched very high prices. and the etiquette of incense parties, kokwai or koei. Incense parties were invented before the time of the Ashikaga shoguns, and were most in vogue during the peaceful period of the Tokugawa rule. With the fall of the shogunate, they went out of fashion, but recently they have been to some extent revived. It is not likely, however, that they will again become really fashionable in the old sense, partly because they represented rare forms of social refinement that can never be revived, and partly because of their costliness. 
In translating kokwai as incense party, I use the word party in the meaning that it takes in such compounds as card party, whist party, chess party, for a kokwai is a meeting held only with the object of playing a game, a very curious game. There are several kinds of incense games, but in all of them the contest depends upon the ability to remember and to name different kinds of incense by the perfume alone. That variety of kokwai called jichuko, ten burning incense, is generally conceded to be the most amusing, and I shall try to tell you how it is played. The numeral ten in the Japanese, or rather Chinese name of this diversion, does not refer to ten kinds, but only to ten packages of incense. For Jichuko, besides being the most amusing, is the very simplest of incense games, and is played with only four kinds of incense. One kind must be supplied by the guests invited to the party, and three are furnished by the person who gives the entertainment. Each of the latter three supplies of incense, usually prepared in packages containing 100 wafers, is divided into four parts, and each part is put into a separate paper, numbered or marked so as to indicate the quality. Thus, four packages are prepared of the incense classed as number one, four of incense number two, and four of incense number three, or twelve in all. But the incense given by the guests, always called guest incense, is not divided. It is only put into a wrapper marked with an abbreviation of the Chinese characters signifying guest. Accordingly, we have a total of 13 packages to start with, but three are to be used in the preliminary sampling, or experimenting, as the Japanese term it, after the following manner. We shall suppose the game to be arranged for a party of six, though there is no rule limiting the number of players. The six take their places in line, or in a half circle, if the room be small, but they do not sit close together, for reasons which will presently appear. Then the host, or the person appointed to act as incense burner, prepares a package of the incense classed as number one, kindles it in a censer, and passes the censer to the guest occupying the first seat. Footnote. The places occupied by guests in a Japanese zashiki, or reception room, are numbered from the alcove of the apartment. The place of the most honored is immediately before the alcove, this is the first seat, and the rest are numbered from it, usually to the left. The incense burner passes the censer to the guest occupying the first seat with the announcement, this is incense number one. The guest receives the censer according to the graceful etiquette required in the kokwai, inhales the perfume, and passes on the vessel to his neighbor, who receives it in like manner and passes it to the third guest, who presents it to the fourth, and so on. When the censer has gone round the party, it is returned to the incense burner. One package of incense number two and one of number three are similarly prepared, announced, and tested. But with the guest incense, no experiment is made. The player should be able to remember the different odors of the incenses tested, and he is expected to identify the guest incense at the proper time merely by the unfamiliar quality of its fragrance. The original thirteen packages, having thus by experimenting been reduced to ten, each player is given one set of ten small tablets, usually of gold lacquer, every set being differently ornamented. The backs only of these tablets are decorated, and the decoration is nearly always a floral design of some sort. Thus one set might be decorated with chrysanthemums and gold, another with tufts of iris plants, another with a spray of plum blossoms, etc. But the faces of the tablets bear numbers or marks, and each set comprises three tablets numbered 1, three numbered 2, three numbered 3, and one marked with the character signifying guest. 
After these tablet sets have been distributed, a box called the tablet box is placed before the first player, and all is ready for the real game. The incense burner retires behind a little screen, shuffles the flat packages like so many cards, takes the uppermost, prepares its contents in the censer, and then, returning to the party, sends the censer upon its round. This time, of course, he does not announce what kind of incense he has used. As the censer passes from hand to hand, each player, after inhaling the fume, puts into the tablet box one tablet bearing that mark or number which he supposes to be the mark or number of the incense he has smelled. If, for example, he thinks the incense to be guest incense, he drops into the box that one of his tablets marked with the ideograph meaning guest. Or if he believes that he has inhaled the perfume of number two, he puts into the box a tablet numbered two. When the round is over, tablet box and censer are both returned to the incense burner. He takes the six tablets out of the box and wraps them up in the paper which contained the incense guessed about. The tablets themselves keep the personal as well as the general record, since each player remembers the particular design upon his own set. The remaining nine packages of incense are consumed and judged in the same way, according to the chance order in which the shuffling has placed them. When all the incense has been used, the tablets are taken out of their wrappings, the record is officially put into writing, and the victor of the day is announced. I here offer the translation of such a record. It will serve to explain, almost at a glance, all the complications of the game. According to this record, the player who used the tablets decorated with a design called Young Pine made but two mistakes, while the holder of the White Lily set made only one correct guess. But it is quite a feat to make ten correct judgments in succession. The olfactory nerves are apt to become somewhat numbed long before the game is concluded, and therefore it is customary during the coquai to rinse the mouth at intervals with pure vinegar, by which operation the sensitivity is partially restored. Record of a Kokwai Order in which the ten packages of incense were used. 3, 1, guest, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2. Names given to the six tablets used according to decorative designs on the back. Gold chrysanthemum, young bamboo, red peony, white lily, young pine, cherry blossom in a mist. Guesses recorded by numbers on tablet. Gold chrysanthemum, one, three, one, two, correct. Guest, one, two, correct. Two, three, correct. Three. Number of correct guesses, three. Young bamboo, three, correct. One, correct. One, two, correct. One, correct. Guest, three, two, one, three. Number of correct guesses, four. Red peony, Guest, one, correct. Two, two, correct. Three, one, three, two, three, correct. One. Number of correct guesses, three. White lily. One, three, one, three, two, two, one, three. Guest, two, correct. Number of correct guesses, one. Young pine. Three, correct. One, Correct. Guest. Correct. Three. One. Correct. Two. Two. Correct. One. Correct. Three. Correct. Two. Correct. Number of correct guesses, eight. And Young Pine is the winner. Cherry Blossom in a Mist. One. Three. 
guessed, correct, two, correct, one, correct, three, correct, one, two, three, correct, two, correct. Number of correct guesses, six. Names of incense used. Incense number one, tasogare, or who is there, in other words, dusk. Incense number two, baikwa, or plum flower. Incense number three, wakakusa, or young grass. Incense number four, the guest incense, yamaji no tsuyu, or dew on the mountain path. To the Japanese original of the foregoing record were appended the names of the players, the date of the entertainment, and the name of the place where the party was held. It is the custom in some families to enter all such records in a book especially made for the purpose, and furnished with an index which enables the kokwai player to refer immediately to any interesting fact belonging to the history of any past game. The reader will have noticed that the four kinds of incense used were designated by very pretty names. The incense first mentioned, for example, is called by the poet's name for the gloaming, tasogare, literally, who is there, or who is it, a word which in this relation hints of the toilet perfume that reveals some charming presence to the lover waiting in the dusk. Perhaps some curiosity will be felt regarding the composition of these incenses, I can give the Japanese recipe for two sorts, but I have not been able to identify all of the materials named. Recipe for Yamaji no Tsuyu Ingredients and Proportions Jinko, or aloes wood, four mum, about half an ounce. Choji, or cloves, four mum. Kunroku, or alebanum, four mum. Hako, or Artemisia schmittiana, four mum, jaco, or musk, one boo, about an eighth of an ounce, coco, unidentified, four mum, about half an ounce, two twenty-one pastille. Recipe for baikwa, ingredients and proportions, jinko, or aloes, twenty mum, about two and a half ounces, choji, cloves, 12 mum, about one and a half ounces, cocoa, unidentified, eight and a third mum, or about one and one fortieth of an ounce, biakudan, or sandalwood, four mum, about a half an ounce, kancho, or spikenard, two bu, about a quarter of an ounce, quako, perhaps bishop's wort, one bu and two spu, about three sixteenths of an ounce. Kunroku, or olibanum, three bu, three spu, or about fifteen twenty seconds of an ounce. Shomoko, unidentified, two bu, or a quarter of an ounce. Jako, or musk, three bu, two spu, or about seven sixteenths of an ounce. Ryuno, refined Borneo camphor, three spu, or about three eighths of an ounce. 250 pastilles. The incense used at a kokwai ranges in value according to the style of the entertainment, from $2.50 to $30 per envelope of 100 wafers. Wafers usually not more than one-fourth of an inch in diameter. Sometimes an incense is used worth even more than $30 per envelope. This contains ranjatai, 
an aromatic of which the perfume is compared to that of musk mingled with orchid flowers. But there is some incense, never sold, which is much more precious than ranjatai, incense valued less for its composition than for its history. I mean the incense brought centuries ago from China or from India by the Buddhist missionaries, and presented to princes or to other persons of high rank. Several ancient Japanese temples also include such foreign incense among their treasures, and very rarely a little of this precious material is contributed to an incense party. Much as in Europe, on very extraordinary occasions, some banquet is glorified by the production of a wine several hundred years old. Like the tea ceremonies, the Kokwai exact observance of a very complex and ancient etiquette. But this subject could interest few readers, and I shall only mention some of the rules regarding preparations and precautions. First of all, it is required that the person invited to an incense party shall attend the same in as odorless a condition as possible. A lady, for instance, must not use hair oil or put on any dress that has been kept in a perfumed chest of drawers. Furthermore, the guest should prepare for the contest by taking a prolonged hot bath and should eat only the lightest and least odorous kind of food before going to the rendezvous. It is forbidden to leave the room during the game, or to open any door or window, or to indulge in needless conversation. Finally, I may observe that, while judging the incense, a player is expected to take not less than three inhalations, or more than five. In this economical era, the Kokwai takes of necessity a much humbler form than it assumed in the time of the great daimyo, of the princely abbots, and of the military aristocracy. A full set of the utensils required for the game can now be had for about fifty dollars, but the materials are of the poorest kind. The old-fashioned sets were fantastically expensive. Some were worth thousands of dollars. The incense burner's desk, the writing box, paper box, tablet box, etc., the various stands or dye, were of the costliest gold lacquer. The pincers and other instruments were of gold, curiously worked, and the censer, whether of precious metal, bronze, or porcelain, was always a chef d'oeuvre, designed by some artist of renown. 5. Although the original signification of incense to Buddhist ceremonies was chiefly symbolical, there is good reason to suppose that various beliefs older than Buddhism, some perhaps peculiar to the race, others probably of Chinese or Korean derivation, began at an early period to influence the popular use of incense in Japan. Incense is still burned in the presence of a corpse, with the idea that its fragrance shields both the corpse and newly parted soul from malevolent demons. And by the peasants, it is often burned also to drive away goblins and the evil powers presiding over diseases. But formerly, it was used to summon spirits as well as to banish them. Allusions to its employment in various weird rites may be found in some of the old dramas and romances. One particular sort of incense, imported from China, was said to have the power of calling up human spirits. This was the wizard incense referred to in such ancient love songs as the following. I have heard of the magical incense that summons the souls of the absent. Would I had some to burn in the nights when I wait alone. There is an interesting mention of this incense in the Chinese book Shanghai King. It was called Fuan Huan Xiang, by Japanese pronunciation Hangon Ko, or Spirit Recalling Incense, and it was made in Tso Chao, or the district of the ancestors, situated by the Eastern Sea.
To summon the ghost of any dead person, or even that of a living person, according to some authorities, it was only necessary to kindle some of the incense and to pronounce certain words while keeping the mind fixed upon the memory of that person. Then, in the smoke of the incense, the remembered form and face would appear. In many old Japanese and Chinese books, mention is made of a famous story about this incense, a story of the Chinese Emperor Wu of the Han Dynasty. When the Emperor had lost his beautiful favorite, the Lady Li, he sorrowed so much that fears were entertained for his reason. But all efforts made to divert his mind from the thought of her proved unavailing. One day he ordered some spirit-recalling incense to be procured that he might summon her from the dead. His counselors prayed him to forgo his purpose, declaring that the vision would only intensify his grief. But he gave no heed to their advice, and himself performed the rite, kindling the incense and keeping his mind fixed upon the memory of the Lady Lee. Presently, within the thick blue smoke arising from the incense, the outline of a feminine form became visible. It defined, took tints of life, slowly became luminous, and the emperor recognized the form of his beloved. At first the apparition was faint, but it soon became distinct as a living person and seemed with each moment to grow more beautiful. The emperor whispered to the vision, but received no answer. He called aloud, and the presence made no sign. Then, unable to control himself, he approached the censer. But the instant that he touched the smoke, the phantom trembled and vanished. Japanese artists are still occasionally inspired by the legends of the Hangon-ko. Only last year in Tokyo, at an exhibition of new kakemono, I saw a picture of a young wife kneeling before an alcove wherein the smoke of the magical incense was shaping the shadow of the absent husband. Footnote. Among the curious Tokyo inventions of 1898 was a new variety of cigarettes called Hangon-so, or Herb of Hangon, a name suggesting that their smoke operated like the spirit-summoning incense. As a matter of fact, the chemical action of the tobacco smoke would define, upon a paper fitted into the mouthpiece of each cigarette, the photographic image of a dancing girl. Although the power of making visible the forms of the dead has been claimed for one sort of incense only, the burning of any kind of incense is supposed to summon viewless spirits in multitude. These come to devour the smoke. They are called jikikoki, or incense-eating goblins, and they belong to the fourteenth of the thirty-six classes of gaki, or pretas, recognized by Japanese Buddhism. They are the ghosts of men who anciently, for the sake of gain, made or sold bad incense, and by the evil karma of that action they now find themselves in the state of hunger-suffering spirits, and compelled to seek their only food in the smoke of incense. End of Section 3. Incense. Recorded by David Moore, St. Paul, Minnesota. www.jdavidmoore.net.